0: You are listening to Talking Images, the official
1: podcast of ICMForum.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Mathieu, and today's episode is a little different, which is why I'm hosting it instead of Chris. We're doing a remake of an early episode of this podcast, which was all about how the old hosts got into cinema. Since then, we've had new voices join the podcast, myself included, So we decided to hear from the people who were not on that episode. To that purpose, I'm joined by three wonderful co-hosts, Lauren, Saul and Adam. The ones among you with the best memories might notice that Adam was already in the original episode, but this is Adam from New York, not Adam from Scotland. So it's all new content. With that out of the way, let's start on a simple but possibly difficult to answer question. What is your first memory of watching a film?
0: Hi, this is Adam from New York. you, I'm going to disappoint you. I don't have a memory of watching a first film. What I can say is I don't remember my first movie, but I know what it was. As a very small child, my mother tells me I was obsessed with the classic Disney movie, Dumbo. So much so, even, that she got tired of renting it from the video store and just bought the VHS. And I apparently watched it dozens of times. Um, Again, I'm talking about as as, you know, a two-year-old or a three-year-old. But I have absolutely no memory of the movie. And what's more, I've never really become interested in classic Disney. It's by far the, the, the earliest Disney movie I, I saw my entire life until I saw Fantasia this year. So I guess it would be a, a real outlier in my cinema interests. But it was technically, from what I've heard, the first movie I've seen. I just don't remember it.
2: Hi, it's Sol from Australia. The earliest film that I remember seeing is a tricky question because... I've been told quite a few times by my parents which film I saw first. So I don't know if I actually remember seeing it or whether them telling me that again and again has sort of put in my mind that I do actually remember being there. Anyway, the uh, film was The Adventures of Milo and Otis. It's a film from 1986, and I'm born in 1986, but I I didn't see it as, you know, like a three-week-old infant or anything it actually came out in australia in 1990 so i would have been about three to four years old when it came out so uh that's the earliest one that i know of in terms of actual memories that i've got rather than suggested memories by my parents uh the only one i remember anything of is cinderella the disney film from 1950 and that's no, not a case of me going back 36 years to watch it. It was re-released in Australia in 1991. So at that stage, I would have been about four years old. I just remember a couple of, um I don't know, I guess scenes from the film or even just a few shots, and maybe my position in the audience, which is kind of interesting. In terms of remembering a significant part of a film, I'm not sure. Uh, probably the earliest I probably could think of would be something like Home Alone, which I would have seen probably for the first time in 1992 or 1993, shortly after it came out on home video. But that's a film, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, that have traumatised me a bit. I've seen it quite a few times over the years. So I don't know if I remember seeing it the first time or whether I've just got vivid memories of it because I would have watched it, you know, I guess five to ten times while growing up. So, yeah, I don't really have a straight answer for that. Um, there's a few other films a bit more recent than that that I do remember, but it's sort of like I more remember, you know, the experience of going there. Like I remember what the theatre would look like when we went to see The Lion King in 1994 when I was... um about seven years old but I don't actually remember the film or I remember seeing Star Wars when it was re-released in 1997. I remember going into the theatre. I don't actually recall the film which I've since watched since then. So again I've got a bit of false memories, blurred memories in there, a long-winded answer. I'm sorry but for me unfortunately there's no easy answer to that one.
3: I'm Lauren, Mighty Sparks. Yeah I don't really have a like a specific memory of a first film, but I asked my mum earlier today what she thought. And she said I was probably around three, which would have been about 94. And she thinks it was probably some of the early Disney films and things like uh, Land Before Time or The Aristocats or Cinderella. I, I do remember watching Land Before Time and Aristocats like a lot when I was younger, but I don't remember really how old I was. I do know that one of the first films that I saw at the cinema was Bade because my my grandma took me to see it. And then she basically swore off eating bacon. And she only started eating bacon again in the last few years, which is kind of random. And when I'm trying to think about like my first sort of real memory, I I do remember having a a dream or a nightmare when I was around four to six. I don't really remember. It all kind of burst together, which was kind of inspired by Total Recall. So I know I watched that quite early. And the memory, I mean, the dream is sort of like i only have a vague memory of it but i remember there was this kind of like space station airport type of thing overlooking mars and there were these like museum exhibit things with like brains in them and the glass of the the space station cracked and then everything started going crazy and that's like all i remember so i know i was watching that kind of stuff quite early but i don't actually remember watching the film itself i just remember the dream
1: that is really interesting, Lauren. and I guess Saul also. You both have kind of traumatic memories of watching things as a child or being influenced by what you sat in, and I guess Adam and I don't probably because we just repressed it. I really don't personally just remember watching a film at all until I was like ten or eleven, but undoubtedly I did. Uh, I, I do. I do remember that the Aristocats was my favorite Disney growing up, even though I wasn't watching many films. But the first one I really remember watching was in the cinema like you, Lauren. And uh, that was The Emperor's New Groove, uh, which I guess is not the most renowned Disney film, uh, but uh, I remember loving it at, at that time anyway. And yeah, it's it's interesting that it's all Disney. It, I guess it's pretty predictable, but Disney really has uh, quite the hold on children everywhere. But not really choose what our first film is. Obviously, I mean, we all watch Disney films. We all we all remember our first memory is all Disney film. Or in the case of Babe, it's not a Disney film, but it's a children's film. It's not us who choose to watch that. So I guess what I wonder now is, barring that, how did you really first get into movies? How old were you? When did it happen? And was there a particular film that was decisive in you really? starting to be a cinephile or maybe exploring cinema more.
0: So for me, Mathieu, there was one distinctive movie. And it's it's interesting you mentioned this, the 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 common theme of Disney in our childhoods, because uh, <laughs> I, I guess that's what parents in those days did uh, when they, they needed something to distract their kids. Uh, these days, I, I see so many parents who just put an iPad in front of their kids uh, and show them some sort of sing-songy nonsense on YouTube in order to... Uh, I don't know, get the, the TV to parent the kids for a while. I guess it was Disney back in the day. I think I think the first movie I saw in theaters might have been The Little Mermaid. Uh, and I can start to remember going to the movie theaters around when I was, you know, 5, 6, 1989, 1990. I remember seeing Home Alone. I remember seeing Back to the Future Part 3. So we were very much a movie-going family. But the one movie that really turned me into a cinephile, I guess, was Strangers on a Train. And I think I might have been about eight or nine years old. And I just remember sitting at home with my dad and it came on the TV. I, I want to say it was on a classic movie channel. Maybe it was on AMC, which is sort of a classic movie channel here in the United States. And he asked if I wanted to see it with him. And I said, sure. And I was just just totally entranced. I don't know up until then how many sort of older movies I'd seen, but it Felt just it it was so stylish. It was so full of these sort of malicious crime scenario of this you know two two bachelors who are switching murders for each other. It begins with this this strange intriguing encounter on a train. and it was my introduction to Hitchcock, and i was I was totally entranced and I became obsessed after that with Hitchcock. And that's how I really sort of became very interested in movies.
1: yeah, switches on a train is a, is a great one, definitely one of my favorite Hitchcocks as well. And Hitchcock is also, I guess, one way that many of us uh, get into movies, or at least an early stage for a lot of cinephiles. Very accessible and very well known. But anyway, what about you, Saul?
2: So this was an interesting question. So I decided I would chat to my mom today about it and see what she recorded me. And what she said is that from as young as she can remember, I was always interested in films. As a child or as a infant or whatever, I was very, you know, hard to control and get interested. But um, if there was something showing on TV or she sent me from the TV, I'd get fixated on that uh, quite easily. And she even recounted some stories about, you know, how I'd go to the park with my younger brother and I wouldn't want to go on the slides or anything. So I wasn't a very physical person, but I was very entranced by cinema. And she's often given me stories about how when I was really young, they would take me to the movies and I'd sort of like run out to the very front of the theatre with a big screen. And so I'd just like look up at that big screen and just be really fascinated by the whole projection of it which I guess as a younger child compared to when I do it now, and I do occasionally still wander the front now when I'm getting a bit bored and nobody else is in the theatre, and uh, it must have just seemed massive back then. But, um, yeah, uh, definitely from a very early age, uh, I definitely remember when I was maybe eight, nine years old, I started to keep a record of the films that I was watching and just putting stars on them because I used to be obsessed with the TV guides and seeing what movies were showing and trying to watch you know the four or five star films because as you know an eight or nine year old that's you know that was my reference point for the films worth watching or not and then I like keeping a record of my own ratings which was all kind of interesting but I don't think it was really until I was about 13 or 14 years old that it really came and really turned from being just you know interested in keeping track of ratings to actually seeking out films that are a little bit different the more acclaimed films out there. And um, if I was going to give a film that probably started my cinematic journey as a hardcore cinephile, I wish I could say Strangers on the Train because that's an amazing film. It's my favourite Hitchcock after Rear Window, Vertigo and Psycho. So after the big three, I think it's Hitchcock's best one. So I wish I could say Strangers (laughs) on the Train, but it's not Strangers on the Train. I wish I could say that, but it's not. Uh, the film that I uh, did it for me was, uh, it's hard to say without laughing. It's called Godzilla versus the sea monster. And <laughs> I don't know what it was about that. Maybe because it was just such a strange and weird film or whatever. But that was the first one where I decided that I wouldn't just, you know, put like a writing for it, I'd also write a bit about it. And I started doing that for films I watched since then. The amount that I write about a film has changed a bit over the years. I mean, over the last, you know, 15 years or so, it's been pretty consistent. But the first few years, just getting into it, I think it was the film that really did it to me, that I was interested in actually, you know, trying to form an opinion and then keeping a track of my opinions of what I was watching.
0: I'm glad it wasn't Strangers on a Train. That would have been both odd and, well, you know, I I kind of feel
2: like it's my movie.
1: (laughs) I feel like you would have to commit a murder together if that was the case.
2: yeah although I should, I should just mention with the um hitchcock one hitchcock was very pivotal for me early on uh my mum introduced me to Hitchcock but i was first really getting into films so uh even though i have said you know godzilla versus the sea monster uh I was, that that would have been when i was maybe 13. i was definitely watching Hitchcock films as young as 10 because when we were 10 years old we went to our disney uh land and we Saw in Universal Studios. We saw how they did that tail seat in Saboteur, and I had seen Saboteur at that stage. And I'd seen Psycho, Rear Window, North by Northwest, Vertigo. So I'd seen the big ones. So I definitely seen some hit shot by you know age ten or eleven. But I guess it was only you know when I got into high school that I started to get into more. Of, I just don't, don't want stuff star ratings. I actually want to have an opinion on everything I watch. But,
1: well, it, that, it that makes
0: me wonder is Hitchcock uh,
2: a director of children's movies,
0: then?
1: <laughs> very violent children, I guess. I'm very sexually it obsessed, depends.
2: too. It depends, it depends on the um, Hitchcock film, but I think Hitchcock's a good primer for older films, because I guess, or older films, in inverted commas, or whatever, because that's often hard to introduce. But I guess because he was the master of suspense, a lot of his older films, especially stuff like North by Northwest, which is probably the first Hitchcock I saw, is just a very it's a very gripping ride even though it's not you know a sort of modern film whereas otherwise it's really hard to get you know i guess younger people have never seen older films before to watch them i mean when i'm showing films to my students as a teacher i usually go for comedy because comedy is fairly universal but in terms of more serious stuff yeah, something like Hitchcock, is a pretty safe one to go to because they're so suspenseful, they're so thrilling. I don't want to put on something like The Grapes of Wrath, which um, somebody did on the classic film board um, who was insisted on showing that to his grandchild and then, like, asked the grandchild afterwards, what do you think of her? And apparently the grandchild was just like, oh, it's good or whatever. But, you know, you don't show that to a 10-year-old, not to introduce them to older films.
1: Yeah, clearly you have to show them Godzilla movies. Uh, was that the first Godzilla movies you saw? Uh, that one that, that, that was the trigger I saw? Uh
2: I don't think it was. I think I did see the 1998 version of Godzilla when it first came out on VHS, I guess. It would have been before DVD, so I guess in maybe ninety eight or something I would have seen it. But I've got no memory of but i haven't rated an imdb the only stuff i've rated on imdb i've kept track of is the film since godzilla versus the sea monster but yeah i did see the role in emmerich one when it came out
1: all right so lauren is your first first major like decisive film more uh, strangers on a Twain or more uh a godzilla film
3: well i don't know if there's a specific film but it was probably closer to a godzilla film so like when i was a kid I like I always liked movies, but uh I didn't really get into them until my like early teens, so as a kid, it was pretty much like uh every week, my dad would go to the video shop and would rent a bunch of movies and then we would watch them over the week, so it was just whatever he rented we watched. I had no idea about t v guide movies or I didn't watch movies on t v uh so it was just whatever he rented and because he liked horror, it was always horror films. I don't know if there was a specific movie though, because I, I just don't really remember enough about m- sort of my first films that I watched when I was a kid. But I just know that like even as like a, a young kid, like five, four or five, I like I wanted horror films. But we also never watched any foreign films or any black and white films. So I never watched Hitchcock as a kid. My my first Hitchcock was when I was fourteen, and I don't think I would have liked it as a kid. And, yeah, so as a kid, I, I, I mean, I liked them, but I wasn't really hardcore into them until my teens. And I think it was probably what really kind of sparked it off as being like when I knew that this was going to be my passion was sort of the first few films that I watched when I found the top 250. And that was like The Godfather, Singing in the Rain, Frankenstein, and then One Float of the Cuckoo's Nest, which instantly became my favorite movie and has been since. So I could say maybe it's Once Over the cookies Nest or it's just kind of all of them and realizing like there's more to film than just whatever my dad rents.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned the IMDb Top 50 because it was talked about a lot in, in the first episode uh, where apparently all the hosts uh, really got into the IMDb Top 50. It was quite surprising to me because uh, for me, it wasn't a factor, but we can maybe talk about that a bit later. As for me, my path, my road to to being a cinephile to movies was, I think, a lot more long-winded than you than you all, partly because we didn't really watch many movies in my family. Again, some Disney when I was a child, but that's about it. And then when I was, when I was a teen, there were some movies I watched and loved, like um, Princess Monoke and Pulp Fiction, um, City of God, stuff like that. But, well, different stuff, really, but I never really got into movies despite those films I loved. I think in part because I know I'm an obsessive person and if I'm going to get into something, I'm really going to get into it and I'm going to need to you know, explore the history of it and see the classics and all that. I guess we all feel that to a certain degree, but to me, it was a stumbling block because I felt that I didn't want to get into cinema because of that, right? I didn't have the time or whatever. So really, when I was a teen, I still did not get into movies. And instead, I got when I was maybe 18, into TV, because I don't know why, I guess it felt more accessible to watch like The Sopranos and The Wire, to watch the big classics, even though, if I think about it, the time it took me to watch all of The Sopranos, I could have watched a bunch of movies as well. I mean, it's really long either way. And so I got into movies through listening to podcasts, really, because I was listening to TV critics' podcasts, and a lot of the TV critics, really, they talk about movies as well, because, you know, they're pretty related. And so eventually that led me to film podcasts uh, like film spotting and stuff like that. And eventually hearing about those films that were going on, I wanted to watch them as well. And all of this is quite recent compared to you, because 2015 would really be the big year when I, I got into movies, I would say. And if there was one film to single out, it would probably be Boyhood, which is not, a film I love, but not in my top 20 of all time, right? But a film I, I do love, though I haven't seen it since then and yeah seeing that um it's i guess it makes sense that coming from loving tv i would love boyhood because it has kind of the same strength of being this very long term character study right where you see a character evolve which is kind of what the appeal of long tv shows character based tv shows are and so yeah i guess i guess that was the triggering film for me and also the other thing that attracted me to it is the idea of being part of the conversation uh, right the Everyone was talking about that film at that point, or at least it felt like it. And so, yeah, I wanted to be part of that. And then immediately, because of what I discussed earlier, I started watching all the films, watching the big classics, like, again, you mentioned The Godfather that I, I saw it around that time. So, yeah, I guess uh, I, I came into movies a lot later than, than you guys did. And to, to jump back on the IMDb Top 250 thing, really, it was not a big factor for me I think because because I came into the movies, um, as, I, as I said I did, I guess I had heard about it a lot earlier, and mostly derisively, right? Mostly for people to say, haha, the idea of the Shawshank Redemption is the best film of all time, that's ridiculous. That's what I heard anyway, whether or not you agree is, is another question. I think it's fine, I guess. But yes, so for me, the end it of 250 was not really a, a big source. And I guess because in the previous episode, it was talked about a lot. I wonder, was it for you guys uh, the IMDb Top Fifty?
0: Uh, for me, uh, I was never interested in the IMDb Top Two Fifty. It never occurred to me as something I was particularly interested in, and and to this day, I'm I'm still not really interested in. And this is a uh, perhaps a shocking confession, considering the websites that I know we. Uh, we all go to, but I'm not really interested that much in movie lists. I've never felt the need or the interest in completing a movie list. I certainly don't dislike them as a reference point for finding movies, but I've never really been into lists.
1: Well, that is a shocking revelation. <laughs> I guess there's not one list for me, but yeah, I, I am. I do love love myself some lists, be it movies or otherwise.
2: So. um Like Adam, the IMDb Top 250 wasn't a big starting point for me because, you know, I'd got into film uh, before, you know, I discovered the internet. So, you know, after I went beyond what was listed in the TV guides for films, I actually went and found some cinema guides at the library. And the one that really struck me the most was the Hardy Wells film guide because it was so massive. It covered so many films of so many different eras. And the only way I actually found IMDb would be when I was about 13 and one of the films that I was looking for wasn't listed in the Harley Wells film guide. And the only way I could find information about it was by searching for it online, which brought me to IMDb. Uh, the film, when I searched for it IMDb, I didn't even recognize it because on IMDb, the title is She Says She's Innocent. The title of the film that I had on VHS was called Violation of Trust and it, Took me a few minutes to realize that, that was an AKA title and it'd been retarded for video release. So I haven't seen that film in 21 years. It's not even um I don't even have it voted for on IMDB because it's before I created an account there. I'm not surprised that Lauren and other people haven't heard of it because I hadn't heard of it. It was just one that I managed to, I don't know, pick up um from on VHS. Yes, it's a 991 TV movie. It's got no significance other than the fact that it directed me to IMDB. That's the most famous thing that film has ever done for anyone is get sold on IMDB. It's on the
1: movie's gravestone, (laughs) I'm
2: sure. (laughs) I should add that as a trivia item on the film's IMDB page. And the trivia item would actually be accepted because of the way they've automated everything. So if I really wanted to bash, if I really wanted to trash the IMDB website, I could do that, but I've got better things to do. But, um, yeah, so, no, the IMDb Top 250, I'd already been looking at the three and four-star films on the Hollywoods Film Guide. That's how I'd been choosing what to watch. The IMDb, IMDb Top 250 was interesting, but it wasn't too interesting because there are a lot of very new films in there, and I already knew quite from early on that this wasn't a very good reference point. So, I mean, occasionally it was interesting. It was something which I didn't realise was in the Top 250, but for the film's towards the top. And especially the new releases that kept getting in there high enough, it just was never an interesting launching point for me. And like Adam, lists are, are interesting to me, but I've never been much of a completist. I mean, that's what I like about ICM. I check movies that are you can get an award for getting 50% or 75% on a list because that's really you know my interest point. You know, I'm not interested in completing everything. I don't know if it's coming from the point of view that I don't want to run out of things to see. That might be it. I'm not sure, but I've never had any interest in finishing or completing lists. And even with director filmographies, with directors that I like a lot, like uh, Cronenberg, you know, it took me quite a few years to actually get through everything that he'd done because, you know, you always, you know, want something else there. But, you know, sometimes with people like the Coen Brothers, you just end up watching everything because it's all so great. But yeah, I've never really been big into list completion or filmography completion. Although I know that's one of the big things that people on the forum are interested in. I know it breaks Lauren's heart, but you know it's it's a reality for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not that much of a completist either. Probably more than you. I, I do feel some satisfaction at you know getting. Uh uh, virtual awards <laughs> on, on on ICM and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's not a huge deal for me either. But I did immediately use a lot of lists uh, when I got into movies. And the way I would do it, I think I found I iCheck movies relatively early. And uh, so it was always more iCheck movies than IMDb for me. And I would take a bunch of lists. Uh, I think the IMDb 250 was part of it, to be fair. But you also had like They Should Pick the Zonday and uh, The Palme d'Or winners and stuff like that. I don't remember all the lists. And I would just randomize, right? Uh, And so that's how I ended up watching some, not the biggest classics first. Uh, I mentioned on the Godard episode that the first film by Godard I saw was Numéro 2. And that's that's why. Uh, That's because it came up randomly. And I, I thought that was a way to kind of be exposed to a bunch of different things without just doing the classics Uh, and there was a waiting system. I mean, whatever. It's boring, but (laughs) so that the classics would come up more often still. Right. So, so that I wouldn't just watch obscurities. But Adam, you said you're not at all into lists, So I guess I wonder how did you decide which films to watch uh, when you first got into it? My,
0: my formative influence was my father. You know, I think after seeing Strangers on a Train, I, I just I bugged him for movie recommendations. I think I drove him a little bit crazy, and at some point he ran out and just got a little frustrated with this constant demand for new movies. And and the movies he was suggesting were, I guess, you could say, sort of stereotypical guy cinema, male cinema, if you want. Uh, a lot of westerns, a lot of war movies, a lot of spy movies. The funny thing is, that's not his taste at all anymore. He's changed quite a bit, uh, and I've changed quite a bit, but. My, my favorite movies in, in my youth were, were movies like High Plains Drifter, which is still one of my favorite movies. The James Bond movies. Uh, there was a point when I was probably, you know, eight years old where The Spy Who Loved Me was my favorite movie, which I find a little mortifying today. And then there was these sort of classic 60s war movies like uh, The Guns of Navarone, Where Eagles Dare, Stalag 17. I, I still love these movies, and I think they hold up very well to my eyes today as an adult, but those were... Those are sort of uh, the movies I just I just adored as a kid, and and I, I was you know fairly obsessed even at a young age. I, I remember I had a sort of weekend routine. Friday evening, I'd go to the video store. I'd rent two movies. I'd watch one Friday evening. I'd watch one Saturday morning. Saturday, I'd go back to the video store and repeat it. Two more movies. One in the one watch one Saturday evening. Watch one Sunday morning. So I try to consume four movies during the weekend, and and. I don't think that's very exceptional considering the the movie consumption uh rate at at our forum. Uh, I think you won't find many 10-year-olds who do that. So it was it was uh it was mainly my father who who influenced me uh, in terms of the movies I was choosing.
1: Yeah, and, and that brings me to ask. It sounds like you were mostly watching on TV essentially, either by renting DVDs or by watching something that was airing. And so you mentioned TV guide being this important thing. So did you all get into movies mostly by watching them on TV? What about you, Lauren, for example?
3: Uh, so I very rarely watched TV. So I pretty much never watched any films on TV. It was purely um, whatever we rented from the video store. And yeah, like uh, Adam, uh, as a kid, my dad was the main influence on what I watched. But then in 2005, when I was about 14, I found the top 250. I actually joined IMDb. The year before, but somehow I must have found the top 250 and started watching that. But unlike everyone else, I didn't even know about film books or film critics or anything. So I never, I never knew of any critics. I never read any reviews or I didn't know what was popular. I didn't know what the classics were. So the top 250 was literally the only thing I knew in terms of recommendations for films that I should watch rather than films my dad chose to rent. And I love lists and completing lists, uh, although it usually takes me a long time. Um, and, and I guess it's the same sort of reason, even though I've tried to to read critics and, and look at these books and things like that, I just haven't found anyone that I like really connect with like taste-wise. They don't seem to watch films the same way that I do or like films the same way that I do. So for me, lists are kind of like, especially like, you know, those big aggregate kind of lists where it's not just one person saying, this is what you should watch. It's kind of just like, here's a bunch of films that lots of people like, and you might like them as well. So I just have this sort of like pick of the litter. Like To me, it's like random, but it's not as random as just like actually picking something at random. And it's a lot more, um, even though it's still hit and miss, it's a bit better as a recommendation system than what I used to do, which was, go to the horror section at the video shop and pick something with a cool cover because 90% of the time it sucks. So the lists are just kind of helpful for me to sort of guide my way but that's just because I haven't really found any film people who, whose recommendations like mean enough to me to use that.
1: Yeah so I guess you, you all really have that um, connection to like video stores and, and watching on TV I guess probably because I got into movies as an adult at a time where video stores were already kind of a thing of the past. I mean, they still exist, but they are more rare. It was mostly going to the theater, uh, especially especially starting in, in late twenty fifteen, and yeah, watching films on the internet in perhaps less than legal ways, which I don't do as much now. So yeah, I guess uh, the the difference in time really made a huge difference in in what we watched because because of that, uh, it was kind of a, an infinite amount of possibilities for me. Um, So I didn't really go... uh, You mentioned not finding critics that you can really trust and you really have the same taste. I don't think I have that either. Uh, I guess I just kind of look at an aggregate and try to pick, oh, that sounds interesting because a bunch of different people like it. One other thing I I kind of wonder about is, Adam, you mentioned that your father mostly introduced you to very masculine uh, type of films and that now your taste is very different. And so I guess my question is, how did that happen, right? How did you branch out? How did you explore things that were outside of that uh, of that group?
0: That's a good question. I want to be clear. Uh, I don't want to draw a caricature of my father at all. His his tastes are varied and wide, as are my mother's, uh, and they've both been influential. You know, beyond just sort of the, the war movies, the Western movies, uh, I was watching all of Hitchcock. I, I sort of Went through as much Hitchcock as was possible uh once I saw Strangers in a train. I did get into the Marx Brothers movies at a certain point and the Chaplin movies. Uh and I think I'm guessing that was more my mother's influence uh and her recommendations to me. And then at high school, uh my tastes broadened out a bit. Uh I remember going to high school and uh my history teacher delightfully dedicated several class sessions to uh just having us all watch uh Agira, The Wrath of God. Which which was mind blowing for me when I was uh, thirteen or fourteen years old. So then I got you know watched a bunch of Herzog movies. Moreover, there was a a fine arts club at school that decided to show a a film festival of Kubrick movies. So I got into Kubrick, and then I created my own movie club in high school. It wasn't a very active club, um, but we did occasionally screen movies. I particularly remember was the tradition at the end of the year the 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 freshman class. uh, I had a trip to um, Six Flags, which is uh, you know an amusement park with roller coasters. And I set up an alternative uh, end-of-year day, which would just be a movie day. And we go to school and watch movies. And I can tell you, most people chose Six Flags over hanging out <laughs> with me and watching old movies. Uh, but That's I remember so our, our lineup on that day was Half-Baked, the stoner comedy. It was The Godfather. And what was the third one? I can't recall. I think it must have been a Coen Brothers movie. So so gradually, my, my tastes and interests broadened out.
1: Right, so, it, so it sounds like um, your, your initiation, I guess, into, into movies was very social, uh, that, you know, through movie clubs and I guess your father, that's, that's a little different. But for, for me, it was a very lonely thing, I guess, maybe a little sad. I guess I, I wish I had, uh, I probably had access to film clubs, but not at a time where they would have interested me much. And yes, so what about uh, Lauren and Sol? How did you branch out out of the things that interested you at first? Like, Lauren, you mentioned the IMDb Top 50. Obviously now, uh, from what I know of you, uh, your tastes are not really along those lines, right? So how did you really get into genre cinema?
3: Well, that was well before I found the Top 250 that I, I was into horror from... When I was like a toddler so for me the top, the top 250 was a way of branching out of what I was interested mm-hmm. in but horror and, and genre films in general are still like my, my go-to they're still my main interest and they're still I mean I still have they're, they're still pretty hit and miss for me but I feel like I'm more likely to find something worthwhile in them uh, some random top 250 film although the ones I have left I don't think I'm gonna like and, and I don't think that my tastes have really Change significantly. Like I, the stuff I watched as a kid is still pretty much the stuff I watch now, like horror and sci-fi. But there's certain things that I could tolerate as a kid that I can't tolerate now, like that over overly melodramatic music. Uh, I like it actually hurts me. But otherwise, I feel like I, I still I still feel like I'm pretty random with what I like and dislike. Like I'm always drawn towards genre films, but in everything else, it's like I might like a really long slow film. I might like a really fast-paced superhero movie I might hate them I just never know so I feel like my tastes have just kind of they're just wibbly-wobbly and they always have been.
2: I've always been into horror uh, not so much horror films but when I was growing up I was reading a lot of uh, Goosebumps and Fear Street a lot of R.L. Stein uh, books so I was always into horror and I guess I naturally transferred over to horror cinema and like Lauren I'll go to the horror section and I'll look for the uh, most striking front covers and the most striking back covers I Could look at the images in the back also and make a decision based on that because obviously, well, not obviously, but I didn't take my Hollywood film guide into the horror section with me to the video library. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. So it was just based on the front cover. I would do what attracted me, but yeah, that's how I was getting into film. And, you know, i was sort of like, I guess, a bit envious of Mature. That he's been able to watch films directly online ever since he was into cinema because, yeah, that wasn't a thing for me back in the day. I mean, when I was first watching films and first, you know, even as like a 10-year-old going through and trying to find films, that was before DVDs had come out. And, you know, I still like remember hiring my first DVD and how how different that was to watching a film on VHS. But, yeah, for me, it was all about VHS it was about hunting those VHSs down, hoping, you know, they work properly. And I just recall such things as, you know, going and renting the Maltese Falcon for the second time. But, you know, not like one week after another, but like I rented it and I wanted to rewatch it like two years later. And the person like looked it up and they're like, you know, you've rented this film before. I'm like, yeah, I want to see it again. But, you know, that was like way back then. I, I can't even imagine doing that now, but, you know, I guess going back, you know, 18 years ago or whatever that would have been, you know, that was the reality. You want to see something, you need to rent it. I mean, much of the films that I first saw growing up were the ones that were showing on TV because I was only allowed to rent films during the school holidays. So if I wanted to see anything that my parents didn't own and we didn't really own much, you know, during the uh, week or during the weekend, I would just have to choose from what I was showing on TV. So I saw a lot of old British comedies because they used to play on the ABC channel here. And, yeah, I saw a lot of different classics because they would show them from time to time. But, you know, I was watching them with ads, which isn't ideal, but it's still a great, you know, primer for getting interested in films and getting in there. And then they would give me ideas about what to rent when school holidays came up and I was able to go and rent things. But yeah, things have come such a long way since then because, you know, I got to the point where VHS got wiped out and I got this gigantic 2000 collection of VHS tapes because I all got them for like a dollar or two dollars when the video libraries were jobbing them out and then getting those converted to DVD over the years and like, so not converting, upgrading to DVDs over the years. And now it's got to the stage where 90% of what I watch, I'm streaming online. So everything for me has changed quite a bit. Uh, I think I've lost track of what what the question was. I think it was in terms of finding or how my taste has evolved. Uh, Yeah, a lot of it is probably by being able to access things on streaming services. I think it's probably a big thing or being able to import stuff from overseas, so not being limited by what I could rent in a video library or limited by what was showing on TV, but actually going out and saying, well, you know, I actually want to, you know, buy these films from overseas or want to buy these films on ebay that somebody else has imported from overseas or in the last few years going out and streaming and going well like um japan's doing a lot of crazy films i like crazy films for this japanese challenge that we're going to have on the icm forum in may i'm going to stream as much stuff as i could find on amazon prime or netflix or whatever which um you know fits in this broad definition of crazy films beyond the actual japanese classics. So I'm not quite sure of that answer the question. I've gone a bit off track, but you're welcome to redirect me if I need a redirection.
0: I have a question for you, Saul, and, and a question for everyone. It's interesting. You mentioned that uh, your parents only let you rent movies during the school holidays. And I'm wondering if, if other people had an experience of to what extent their parents restricted their movie watching. I've, I've, heard from people over the years, whenever people meet me, they quickly learn I'm into movies. And then I often hear how they got into movies or, or to what extent they're interested in movies. And I often hear about something like, my parents didn't let me watch many movies growing up, or we weren't really a family that watched movies. So I had the opposite experience. My, my parents didn't restrict me at all in terms of watching movies. There's only one movie I can ever remember that saying you shouldn't watch that, and it was uh, The Deer Hunter. Because I remember as a child asking my father, what was the best movie he'd ever seen? And he said, The Deer Hunter. And I said, I want to watch that. And I think I was probably nine years old. And I said, why don't you wait a few years? Uh, so that was the only time that I ever experienced them restricting me from watching a movie. Otherwise, sex violence, uh, they, they didn't feel a need to restrict me from that. And I'm wondering if other people had parents who were similarly you know, liberal or, or were more restrictive.
2: Well, I think nine years old is actually a pretty good time to learn about Russian roulette. Okay, so that's a deer-hunter joke. Yeah, look, my parents, I don't think, were ever too restrictive on what I was watching. I don't know. When I was renting films out, you know, for a while, you know, they didn't really want me renting anything out, which was MA or R, which are the two highest classifications. But, you know... By the time I was 10 or 11 years old, you know, they pretty much let me rent whatever I wanted to rent. In terms of being able to watch films, yeah, renting films was a school holiday thing, it was a special thing for the holidays, but they'll pretty much let me watch whatever was showing on TV and they couldn't really control it to much of an extent, you know, unless you're in the same room with me and they could go over and turn something off. But, you know, I'm home by myself or whatever, and it's showing on TV. I guess, yeah, I don't really think too much of it. So I don't think I was ever really restricted too much. I do remember one time when we were staying um in Maringer, which is a city near here, and we're on holidays, and one of the uh, in-house, or what's it called, uh, in-room movies or whatever was rated MA, and I suggested we watch it, and they were like, no, but I would have been, you know, you know, I guess maybe 10 or 11 at the time. So it maybe that was a sensible decision but yeah no i don't look i don't think i've really been restricted too much in terms of the content of the films it's more so that you know we're not going to drive you to the video store and you know spend so much money on whatever on renting these films if you want to watch something you know watch what's on tv yeah
3: i wasn't i didn't have any restrictions basically like i was allowed to sort of do whatever i want whenever i wanted the only restriction that i had with movies was that i wasn't allowed to watch r-rated horror films and but like everything that i wanted to rent was basically like rated m or ma so i had to bring my parents every single time and they had to take out the films because i was too young but uh like i remember specifically my parents were like you can't watch the evil dead and you can't watch a nightmare on elm street and i did manage them uh, managed to convince them to let me watch the evil dead and i was seven and then I cried. And so then they were like, okay, you're definitely not watching a nightmare on Elm Street now. But I remember like by, by a few years after that, when I was like 10, I was just watching like everything. They never really cared. Like I remember watching Irreversible with my dad and what's that other one? I stand alone or something like that. So a uh, good family time with uh, my family.
0: It's interesting yeah. you guys talk about, about ratings. Obviously, we have them in the U.S. as well, but it would be generous to say that they're strictly enforced. Uh, at the video store, they never you know, prevented me from renting anything I wanted. And and movie theaters in New York City in my entire life, I, I only once was prevented from seeing an R-rated movie as a child. Uh, they seem to have a, a policy of why turn away
2: good money, uh, which I appreciate. Yeah, they're, they're very strictly reforced, enforced here. I'm not so, so much sure about video libraries, but cinemas, they're very strictly enforced. I remember that I won free passes through this, um, local television station to see Monsters Ball, um, the Halle Berry film, and that would have been early 2002, probably. So I was maybe I know, around 15 years old. And it was rated R and the person who was uh, selling the tickets, or the second ticket person, said, you know, they actually get a personal fine, not the theatre. The person who sells the ticket gets a personal fine if they let a minor into an R-rated film. So it might just be for the R's. I'm not sure if it's about the MAs, which is our second highest one, which is 15+. plus. I know they're not allowed to sell them. I'm not sure if the fine's quite the same. In terms of renting, I'm not quite sure how much of an issue it is. I know with M, which is our third highest, it's only, you know, recommended for mature audiences. So, you know, pretty much anything G, P, G, or M, I think you're able to rent um, as long as you've got, you know, somebody else with you. So I never went to the video library by myself because it was never close enough to. So I always had a parent there anyway. But, um, yeah, if I, if I was to rent out an R by myself, I probably wouldn't be allowed to. And yeah, I wasn't allowed to see an R film by myself and it hasn't changed either because I was also on the radio recently. There was some, one of those stupid blockbuster films that have come out recently. Um, I don't, I don't know what it was, where they're talking about it or whatever, and I'll try and take, you know, the 15 year old kid along to see it or whatever. And they weren't able to sneak them in. So it is quite strictly enforced here. What about you, Max? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lauren.
3: Sorry, um, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I I tried to rent. I think it was an M or an MA film, and I was 13 or 14, and they were just like, "No, you need a parent." And my mom was waiting in the car, so I had to go out and get her and come back in, and then she had to take it out for me. And yeah, my dad brought me and my brother to see scary movie which I think came out in 2001. So it would have been 10. And the people were trying to stop him from like taking us in. They were like, no, this is like really scary. Like, I think they're too young. And my dad was like, nah. And like, it wasn't even scary anyway. But um, yeah, and I remember, I think I went to see like Jackass, but we went with a family friend and they wouldn't let us in because he wasn't our parent. So we couldn't see it.
0: Well, it's quite the opposite experience from what I was used to in New York. Matthew I'm interested in hearing uh, if you had similar restrictions as youth. I know you said you only really got into movies when you were older, but uh, did your parents restrict anything that you saw when you were young?
1: Well, not that I was aware of. Obviously, because I wasn't that much into movies, uh, it wasn't a big factor, right? It was, it's not like I was trying to see films that maybe would not have been appropriate. But also, the other factor is I have five older siblings, and so... I don't think they were very restrictive with them either on that subject. None of them were hugely into movies, but they did in some phases. And I guess like my brother showed me Pulp Fiction, but I was like 13 or 14, right? It was not, I was at an age that was okay for for that. Uh, so yeah, they were not restrictive, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess it just did not come up that much. And on the subject of, of ratings, uh, I guess we have a slightly different system where it's just ages, right? So there's... Uh, minus 10, well, so not under 10, oh, sorry, only under, wait, what am I saying? Yeah, not under 10, not under 12, and not under 16. And then there's, a, I guess, an equivalent to NC70, that's an X rating, that's basically porn and Gaspar Noé films, uh, which I know that Lorraine is apparently from a Gaspar Noé family, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that is the only case, uh, recent Gaspar Noé films that had, issues with, with ratings in France. Generally they're a little more liberal than the American system with sex. Though not that liberal, again, like Love, the Gaspard Ray film was deemed an X-rated film. And they are a little tougher with violence, right? Uh, so most superhero films are minus 10, uh, sometimes minus 12. Anyway. But yeah, I don't think they're very strict with it in the theatres in France. Uh, obviously I don't have an experience of trying it myself. In fact, I remember that hearing about the exorcists. Obviously, it was not in theaters, but I knew it was a minus twelve film, and I heard about it. I was eleven, and I remember being pretty happy that I could use that as an excuse not to see it. So that's what I was, I was as a kid, right? So, not not <laughs> not not the kid you needed to restrict uh, in terms of trying to see stuff that's too adult. But I guess since I guess we talked about this a bit, but uh, since you all got into movies more through the DVDs and stuff. Was there a point where you started going to the cinema regularly? Or, or I guess maybe, maybe you never did? Because it's interesting that all of our first memories, well, not all, but I guess a lot of our first memories of film are related to the cinema because obviously it's very striking, right? As a child to be in, a, in that big uh, dark room. Yeah. I, I wonder, did you at, at some point start really going to the cinema regularly or is it for you still mostly watching at home, I guess?
0: Well, Mathieu, I think you just betrayed uh, the fact that you've come to cinema rather recently by saying that we all gotten into it through DVDs. Uh, I think we all got into it through VHS, actually. We're (laughs) children of the the VHS era, which no longer exists, for better or worse. And we're children of the video store era, which no longer exists, for worse. I I very much miss and and loved uh, video stores. But but I want to be clear... uh, I wouldn't say i got into movies through vhs it was not one or the other it was both both video stores and going to the movies and i i don't know what what the situation is where where you guys grew up but i was so very fortunate to grow up in in new york city which has uh, just an unbelievable bounty of 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 movie theaters so many movie theaters showing recent releases but also uh movie theaters showing international movies and art house movies and and repertory cinemas and and so my family were always big moviegoers, and and i benefited from the fact that both my parents are cinephiles as well uh we always went to movies and it's only really in the past 10 years that i've stopped going to the movies uh nearly as much and especially i think once i i i got i remember I was 18 or 17, excuse me, and I was just about to graduate from high school, and a new repertory cinema opened up here in New York called the Thalia Theater. It was actually a, a recreation of an, an old repertory cinema that had closed, and they opened with a a series of classic French movies. And so I went there and I saw all these classic French movies like Fi, Diabolique, The Sorrow and the Pity, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. So that was was... Was a fascinating experience, and that got me more into movies and opened my eyes to a whole new, new sort of sector of cinema. And then I continued uh, uh, doing it a lot when I got back from college. I, I went to all these sort of these repertory cinemas. Uh, I had a membership at Film Forum. I knew how to how to sneak into the Museum of Modern Art and go to their repertory cinema for free. And and then I became very indulgent, and I would make lists every month of all the the classic movies showing around the mo- the, the city that I wanted to see.
2: So I think the current question was about seeing films in theatres and whether it was all just about home video. I think for me it was a lot about home video. I've just been discussing in the chat and just even the smell and the texture of VHS. You know, I just love it. I've still got quite a few films in VHS, even though my VCR isn't hooked up in the new place that I moved into. Uh, I've got all the VHSs of stuff that I've been able up, to upgrade and it just brings back childhood memories. You know, that's my fondest thing, going and wandering through the video store, looking at films, judging them based on their cover because that's all that I could do. And, you know, sometimes getting a really cool thing as a result of that. So a lot of it was discovery for me that way. A lot of it was discovery of things showing light night on TV A lot of the older classics in terms of going to the movies yeah that's probably always been an issue for me in terms of distance and expense uh for quite a while i was living for like the last 10 years or so quite far away from any theaters i'm actually a bit closer to a cinema now but even so it's not you know my number one avenue to go and watch films there was definitely a time when i was at university where i actually would watch films quite regularly because the university that I was at was actually quite close to a cinema that's now shut down and been transformed into a live theatre or something of that sort. You know, it hasn't been completely shut down, but it's not what it was. But, yeah, I used to, like, go there because I'd have, like, a lecture in the morning and I'd have something in the evening or whatever, and like i well, will fit in a film in between. So that was kind of nice for a little bit. Um, there was one stage, I guess, maybe 2005, 2006, where I was – really into discussing the latest releases on the IMDb message boards. So I'd go out and see, you know, as many of those as I can by myself uh, during, um, you know, the Oscar buzz season. But, uh, no, in general, I don't think going to the cinema has been a big part of it. It's always something I enjoy, I like. Uh, like I said, you know, I do still like wandering up to that big screen like a little kid and looking at that big screen and seeing how massive it is and just the whole environment of it. But yeah, um, you know, as you know, bad as it seems as a cinephile, you know, uh, the actual cinema experience, you know, it's never been as big for me as home video and um, watching things on TV, which is probably why, as discussed in a Netflix podcast, I'm not so apprehensive about cinemas eventually shutting down, everything being streaming services. I just see it as evolution.
0: Oh, that would break my heart. So. Like you, I I also had that sort of sense of wonder when going into a movie theater as as a young child. It just felt like this sort of monumental, special place. So I I would dearly miss movie theaters, even though I don't go to them that often anymore.
3: Yeah, so I, I never really got into the cinema. When I was a teen, I went a lot more because dad again would be like oh let's go see this latest release and he would bring us and that was probably between 2003 and 2008 ish and that's sort of when i graduated high school and then i was sort of doing stuff on my own most of the time the stuff that was playing at the cinema i didn't want to see and also with uh, australia back in the day our release times for films would be like months later than say america so by the time something was available illegally online it would, it would still not be out in the cinemas here. So it was like, well, I'm not going to wait three, four months to see this film. And it just wasn't like a great selection. I always wanted to pick what I wanted to see and not have like, you can choose from these 10 films at these specific times because I don't know if I'm going to want to feel like that. I feel like watching that at that time. So yeah, I, I think as a, as a teen, we probably went a couple times a month. And now the last few years, I go maybe a couple times a year. And the only time I really... Uh, make an effort to go as if there's a horror f- festival around because otherwise I'm just not really that interested. And if I can watch it at home where I'm comfortable, don't have to put on clothes, I can pause and whatever, then I'm going to watch it at home.
2: I might just mention that I actually have, until COVID hit, started going to the cinema more regularly. It become part of, you know, my weekly or bi-weekly routine just because, you know, living away from home or whatever would be a time where I could catch it with my parents. We'd have a meal and would go see a movie together uh when covid had shut cinemas down that sort of you know died off a little bit and you know there's been a few times we've gone out and we've seen something like we saw nomad land together and some other stuff that appealed to them but um yeah you know uh, up until the covid uh closures you know i was actually going maybe once every two or three weeks to the movies with my parents just you know, a catch-up thing. So that sort of, you know, came in, again, maybe the last five years or so. But there was definitely a good period after, you know, I guess, graduating at uni, where I just really wasn't going to the movies that much.
1: Yeah, so, so I ask this question, because for me, probably as a result of being an adult or young adult, when I got into films, I was a student in Lyon, which is a big city. And so I had access to a lot of movie theaters that were showing a lot of different films. I wasn't really seeing that many older films. They did once a week, a cult movie, they call it, but cult really just means old. Uh, so, so I would see, I saw a, a few Hitchcocks, actually, for the first time that way. Uh, but yeah, for me, it was really important and you might even argue that part of why I watched a lot of Classic films or the older films was in order to have a better understanding of cinema and to be able to have a more informed opinion of current films. Right, I guess because there's this thing in in France where I've talked about this before, uh, where cinemas offer basically a monthly for a monthly fee you get to see whatever however, however many films you want in in a certain chain of theaters. So yeah, I really wanted to be part of the conversation, have a, <laughs> have an idea of what the current films, the current good films are. And yeah, again, started watching all the films in, in big part to understand and to have a more informed opinion. And what you guys mentioned about COVID and, and Adam about suddenly having access to a lot of small theatres doing all the films, it's actually what I'm doing right now. Uh, because as as of this recording... Cinemas have reopened since two weeks, three weeks um, here in, in France. And now I live near Paris. And really, the, this period of theatres being closed has made me really fear that all of these small theatres that, that still exist would disappear. And they haven't. And so I, now I'm really, really enthusiastic into watching these older films in, in theatres. It's really reinvigorated my I desire to 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 go see them, and I've done it, it a bit, uh, and to take uh, yeah to take this opportunity. And in that sense, I guess the closure of Cinemas has made the the hardcore fonder for me.
2: Something that I thought I'd probe into and see whether it's the case for anyone else. I know it's the case for Lauren at least. Is whether you've done any extra study in film and how that's changed your appreciation because the first degree that I did before education actually was in film and video. And definitely some of the lectures and some of the courses that I did, some of them a bit reluctantly, did deepen my appreciation and widen my scope of what I was into. So I'm just wondering how that might have changed for anybody else.
0: Well, I, I already mentioned, you know, seeing uh, some movies in high school and class like of The Wrath of God, which is very influential. But in terms of, of more sort of formal uh, academic experiences, I took one class in college on film. It, it it was not a college where you could take film production or really major in film as a, a course of study, but I took one class. And it, it was a class where I, I I definitely learned some things in terms of cinematic terminology and cinematic techniques. I learned about, you know, I learned terms like a two shot or a match cut. These were were things I learned about. Uh, but on the whole, I, I did not like that class very much, as is all too common among university lecturers. I found the uh, the professors highly pompous and thus not very informative. But then uh, in grad school i I became much more more involved in studying film because i I went to to grad school to study history with a focus on on film. I want to be clear, I didn't go to study film history. It wasn't a a degree in film studies. It was a degree in history with an interest in American cultural history and, and especially uh, American cinema. Uh, so when I was there, I, I began studying film much more heavily and reading a lot of film history, not just in terms of reading the history of movies, but reading the history of, of cinematic culture. I, I read a book, for example, about uh, traveling exhibitions that, that went to small towns in America in the early 1900s. Or or I, I remember reading an, a, a great article about uh, the popularity of, there was a certain type of film exhibition, and I'm talking about, you know, 1904 or something, where they would just show a, a, a camera shot from the front of a train. And they would be exhibited in small movie theaters that were designed as if you were sitting in a train yourself. Uh, this was a, a small but... A popular sort of fad in in the cinema experience in in the very early days. So that was the kind of of cultural history I was I was learning about, and I also took you know some classes specifically in in film studies. I, I very quickly discovered I I really wasn't into sort of film studies as a separate academic course of study. I think that's where you get much more theoretical, and and again uh, tends to get much more pompous. Uh, but there was there was a lot to learn, and and I very much enjoyed learning about it.
1: So I also studied history, but again, because I came to cinema very late, I didn't really take those courses into film history or into the culture of cinema as related to history. Because when I really got into films, I was already post, just just barely postgraduate. And at that point, I was very focused on passing an exam, which is an exam you need to pass to teach in France. And so obviously, I didn't leave any room for really exploring other stuff. I really had to study what was on that exam. And yeah, it's a big regret, actually. And I kind of would like to do it, but I would never get the time. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, but I wish I had, is my answer.
3: When I was in high school, I, I like really did not ever want to study film. I was like dead set against it because th- whenever we had study, like when we were studying a film in high school, it would be like the teacher would say, okay, these are the, the themes and the symbolism and whatever. And you have to basically regurgitate everything I just said. And we don't really want any of your opinions or your interpretations. It was like, stick to this. And I was just like, yeah, that, that sucks. So I was really, really against any kind of academic study of film. But, uh, eventually I did go to film school, like that was production based, um, in 2015, 2016. Um, and I got a diploma of screen and media and it didn't really, it didn't really do much on theory but it really made me realize how much goes into like production. And I mean, film students are, are terrible i uh, film and school productions are terrible, but there was just so many things I didn't even know about, like things like, taking Atmos and even like just doing so many multiple takes like I knew that every scene would have multiple takes I just didn't realize how many or like from so many different types of angles and stuff so it really kind of opened my eyes to the actual the nature of production of films which I just hadn't really thought about before but I hated production so then I went to uni and I got a Bachelor of Arts in Screen Studies, which was theory-based. I loved that. And my lecturers are actually not pompous at all. They were, like, really good. Like, they, they were the complete opposite of my high school teachers. They were like, we want your opinions. We want you to engage with the readings that we're giving you and the topics that we're covering, but we want you to, you know, put yourself into it as well. And most of the stuff that we covered, like, I already sort of knew, but it helped me, like, contextualize a lot of it. It also made me realize or uh, we'll look into, like, different aspects of film that I wouldn't have before. For, like say tying it into philosophy and psychology and that kind of stuff whether I agree with it or not not the point but I just I didn't realize that the sort of intricacies that were kind of people would uh, use for criticism of films and, and reading films and it did help me with some of the language and sort of putting my thoughts together but I, I found it so exhausting which is why I just do like really simple comments now because I'm not gonna I don't, don't feel like getting into a 1500 word essay for every film but yeah it really helped me learn that kind of stuff but in terms of opening Up my eyes to different film or or seeing it in a different way. It didn't do that at all. But it did, I guess, help me. I, I can sort of take a step back and see the film a bit more objectively. It doesn't affect my opinion, but I can kind of sit back a little bit more and think of maybe what they were attempting. And it also helped me learn a little bit more about certain parts of history or culture that I didn't know about before either.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting to hear you guys talk about your own experiences with learning about film uh like lauren i did what was called media in high school but a lot of it wasn't theory in fact most of it wasn't it was more production based like the number one thing that i remember doing is we had to recreate a shot from the opening of a film and the one that i managed to choose was billy elliott which has him jumping up and down and my best friend who was doing it with me refused to jump up and down because he thought it would make him look stupid. So we had to like sort of experiment and get the camera to like move up and down and it was like moving up and down. I had like the sort of impression of him going through the air. So some early trickery in there, but um, yeah, a lot of it was mainly production. Um, when I got into university, a lot of it was uh, theory-based but I guess by that stage, I found the theory quite interesting. I did theory units as well as production units. The production part, like Lauren said, was very interesting. It was very insightful, seeing just how much effort goes into there, things you don't think about, like white balancing, making sure you've got enough reaction shots when you're doing a documentary in case you need to cut away. But, yeah, the production side, yeah, was always a little bit taxing for me. It was very hard working with and coordinating with other people so i ended up just finishing off the degree by doing theory units which didn't really end up taking me anywhere but it gave me quite a wide appreciation for different parts of cinema like before university i was never very much into documentaries i was actually at the stage where i wouldn't like go and see documentaries in cinema like i think the only one i'd seen was like bowling for columbine but beyond that, I had, like, no interest in documentaries. And then I was shown the films of Frederick Wiseman. I was shown the films of Nicholas Broomfield, where he actually puts his personality into the documentary becomes equally about him as it is about the subject. And just seeing different things like um, Louis buñuel films beyond Ern chian Andalu, which uh, I think every cinema film buff sees early on. But just seeing some other films he's done, like Belge Jour or L'Arc d'Or, And really getting into cinema that way, I just found, yeah, I had a much wider appreciation by the end of my film course. Like Lauren said, it did get to the stage where you'd be able to write something quite in-depth, and the film reviews that I was writing, I guess, towards the end of my film degree, maybe 2006, 2007, were quite lengthy, like paragraph-long reviews, like paragraphs on end, and I just can't do that these days. So, like, I don't just do a few words. I usually do about 150 words. But the stuff that I was writing, I've got some of them saved somewhere in my computer for ages ago. You know, I'd be doing like a 500-word like essay, basically, just posting what I'd seen on classic film board and nobody responding to it. I guess it got to the point where I was like, I don't know if it's worth writing all this or whatever. So my analysis has dropped down a little bit since, you know, Finishing the film degree, getting into education, starting my career elsewhere. But it definitely was a big influence on me. And even though I'd seen more than other people, like the lecturers were often like come up to me and like not come up to me, but they'll sort of like ask me during a lecture, you know, if I knew about this or whatever because I had a lot of knowledge there.
1: Did you guys ever consider, I guess it sounds like you, you considered having a career in cinema, like working in actual cinema? Because I, I, ne- I never did, maybe because it was later, but yeah, I'm interested in that.
2: Yeah, I, th- I thought I would at one point. I mean, originally when I left school, uh, I actually started doing law because I got good enough grades to do that. And everyone's like, oh, you're a good public speaker, so you know, you should do this or whatever. You've got the grades high enough to get into it. I'm like, yeah, okay. So I had to have law as my major and I had to have a minor, something else secondary that I was studying also. So I had a I decided to do a film and video unit. And even though it wasn't really great compared to what I did when I switched campuses and went to a different university, it was definitely interesting enough that I decided, look, um, I don't want to do this law stuff, it's really boring and it's a lot of reading about things that aren't too interesting uh how about i switch careers or whatever and i got into film and i originally thought you know look, i'll be doing some production stuff and then i did the production units Production's really hard because you're working with so many different people getting so many ideas out there organizing everything white balancing everything it was something where i decided i didn't want to do a career in, so i thought well maybe i'll get into film theory i ended up doing honors and doing a thesis about a topic that was far less interesting at the end of it than I thought at the beginning of it. And at the end of that, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this, which is, yeah, when I switched to education. But, you know, it, it's, it's come a bit, you know, 360 now because some of the stuff I'm doing now, I'm actually uh, teaching kids how to film. So I'm sort of using that. Um, backing that i had before but so i I am doing stuff at the moment such related cinema which is quite interesting but it's not you know the production side that i did at one stage thought that i'd be getting into what is it that you're working on Saul? sorry can can, can you rephrase that i'm not sure um you say you're you're currently working on something oh uh no just with the uh what i'm teaching students at the moment uh, i'm actually teaching you know film and video or film and video skills. Or photography and video skills at a primary school level so it's a specialist position and yeah actually it teach kids about how to make a film how to make a documentary how to have you know reaction shots in there how to re-record voices and yeah and so it's all quite interesting so like what i've like learned at university is sort of like factoring in because it's actually part of the primary school curriculum whereas when i grew up it was just you know part of the high school curriculum so yeah it's quite interesting it You know, what I've learned, you know, is still useful for me, but it's not what I envisioned when I enrolled in university. I thought, well, maybe I'll actually get out there and make films that would be released at cinemas. But, you know, that was the dream and this is the reality and the reality isn't too bad.
3: I didn't really go into my degree thinking I was going to get a career in film. Uh, I just thought um, I really love this thing and I want to study it. So I'm gonna go study it. While I was there, I I did consider getting into editing, but then my RSI started, and I realized like there was just no way that I was gonna be able to do that. And then I just realized I hated production. Like I, yeah, like Soul was saying, like coordinating everything and being on set is like ninety percent waiting and it, it's just it's really boring, it's really physical. It it's like a trade. And I was just like, I don't want to do a trade. And then with the theory, I find it really fun, but as a hobby and as an interest, not as like a career. Like I couldn't really imagine having like deadlines for writing a film review or a film essay or something like that. I just uh no can't bother with that. But it was just something I wanted to do and I, I thought well, I want to learn the the broad skills from uh university. And I might as well do it studying something I like. Whether it will uh, have any impact on whatever career I end up with, I don't know. I doubt it, but it was still fun to do.
0: For me, I I can't say I've really seriously considered a a career in in cinema, except uh, I would say I considered a career in in history of film. So it's sort of an academic career. The closest though I ever came was, you know, when I was in... When I was a teenager, I went to summer camp. I don't know if, if summer camp is something that is popular in, in Australia or France, but it's it's quite popular, popular here in, in the Northeast United States. And uh, the summer camp I went to had a video production. I don't know. I guess you call it program. And that was that was a ton of fun. It was it was it was totally free. They just gave us kids some video equipment and a very ba- basic editing console and said, uh, do whatever you want. And we we. You know, ridiculous things. We we had a, a a camp news show. We put together this sort of ongoing murder mystery serial. We did a lot of satire. We decided to do a satire mashup of Forrest Gump with Die Hard Three. It was called Forrest Dump with a Vengeance. Uh, it was a very silly endeavor. So that was fun, and that influenced me enough that when I was a senior in high school, I briefly had an internship at a production company, a very small documentary focused production company called Storyville Films. Uh, they mainly do arts focused documentaries about uh, music or about theater. At the time, uh, uh, the one I worked on, they did a documentary about a, a, a fairly well known playwright in the United States named Susan Laurie Park. So that was the one I worked on They're most famous for they had a, a short documentary that was is. Uh, nominated for an Academy Award called Sister Rose's Passion. I didn't work on that one. But but doing, working at that that production company, I quickly realized that I I had no interest in working in, in film production, especially at the lowest levels. It is dreary. It's a lot of waiting around and doing nothing. Most of my time I was doing transcription. I don't know if you guys have done transcription. It is achingly boring. Uh, so no, I, I did not ever really seriously consider a career in film after that.
2: The most boring thing that I've done on a film was one of the projects we're doing uh was continuity. I think it was continuity and I was set decorator. I don't know how I got those things shifted to me. And I was trying to do all these small things, whatever, to make it interesting, but you know, you couldn't actually really tell at the end of it how I'd put all these different things in the set there because it was just like so subtle and uh, the continuity was kinda of interesting but you know the team I was working with were so pedantic. There wasn't really that much to pick up
1: on. Uh, as far as summer camp goes, uh, Adam, we, we do have those in France. And but as I, I was a nerdy kid, so I went to science based uh, summer camps. We did like rockets and programmed video games and stuff like that. But not so much with the with the first game parodies. So uh, that sounds fun too. And yeah, so I never I never considered, uh, definitely never considered being involved in production. That that does not sound like. I think at all in any way being a critic that would be maybe fun, but uh, it's definitely definitely a bit late for that. I think. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess. But anyway, I never considered as a, considered it as a career more like like Lauren said more as a hobby. Anyway, uh, what I want to close on is to ask you where is your cinephilia at at this point? What right? what is still motivating you, if anything, to watch films? Are you trying to? Close some gaps, right? Uh, See some blind spots, or are you more interested in what's coming out? Or you know, what what is still driving you to see movies at this point?
0: Uh, What else would I do with my time? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's still it's still something that interests me greatly. I'd say that as I've you know become much more indulgent in my cinephilia as an adult, as I've gone from watching maybe you know four movies a week to watching seven movies a week. I'd say the the passion I once felt as a child has dimmed a bit. And that's unfortunate. I think it's inevitable with any interest. I also think it's inevitable as, as part of growing older. But the fact that it's still there that I still watch uh, a lot of movies, not nearly as much as Soul or or Lauren when she's really going, but I still, you know, watch much more movies than my friends. That that's that's testament to the fact that that, you know, it is such a major passion of mine. And I, I feel like I watch a lot of movies that are disappointing these days, but occasionally you just come across that movie that really surprises and delights you. And it's, it's still a magical experience to me.
2: Uh, in terms of what motivates me, now I've said before with the lists on iCheck movies that I'm not too you know, passionate about you know, trying to get platinum awards on them and complete them. What does interest me a lot though are the rankings that you get for official checks. And at the moment, I'm doing a bit of a leapfrog game with Lauren at the moment where she's just above me in the ranks, but I was just above her a few weeks ago before she checked a ton of shorts to try and get ahead of me. So uh, the rankings uh, do keep me going, but, you know, look, in in general, my, you know, I don't know how to describe it, my sense of wonderment with movies has, like, gone down over the years. I don't... Hold it in quite the same esteem that I once did so the main thing that really motivates me is probably the official challenges on the ICM forum Because they give me a focus of what to watch rather than just choosing anything out there I've got like three different themes that I can choose from each month and then I get you know super competitive when I see other people watching more stuff than me and we've got an official leaderboard going on where if you finish in the top five or top 10 or top 20, you get so many points. So that at the moment is doing it for me. I don't know how long it will last for because I'm watching a very large volume of films. You know, Since I've joined the ICM forum and got interested in the challenges, I've gone from watching maybe 600 films a year to... 1200 i watched 1230 during last year that's feature films not shorts so i'm obviously watching a very large volume of it so i don't know if that's sustainable long term but at the moment the challenges are keeping me interested i don't know how long for but yeah for the moment you're just that competitive thing having those set themes the themes changing each month is enough to keep me going so can I just ask you about that? Uh,
0: you know, gamification. I understand is a big appeal. I'm certainly not one who who looks down on gamification at all. I think it's a lot of fun. But uh, there must be something more, right? There must be something edifying to you uh, uh, intellectually or or spiritually or or something. You know, from the movies themselves that you get out of them.
2: Uh, well, I don't know I mean the, the big competition with um, Lauren is that we're both from uh, Perth. So I'm trying to be the uh, the uh, Perth user with the highest rank on ICM. In terms of what that does for me, I don't know, I guess not much. I don't really expect people to respect my film opinions more if I'm higher ranked. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that because that was something which another user threw out a couple of years ago with trying to get into the top 25 on ICM. So, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a spiritual thing or whatever. I guess I enjoy seeing my rank go up, but it's it's also a bit higher because at the same time, I've sort of, you know, lost a little bit of faith in the process of the way I Check Movies has run. You know, I've seen a bit of the behind the scenes stuff. And the way that it's become, you know, a curated selection and it's all about attracting new users and not so much, you know, catering towards the established user base, you know, it's not something that, you know, I'm set and saying, well, this is my goal for life. You know, four years ago it was when I first joined iCheck Movies, I'm like, you know, this is going to be, you know, my road, you know, towards, you know, watching films for quite a while. So, uh yeah i don't know maybe it's just my competitive nature i mean even with the challenges that we're doing at the moment uh you know if i get in the top five get in on top 10 yeah i get a few points it doesn't really do anything for me so i don't know if it's just the that pleasure of seeing my name in bright lights or whatever if i get a high ranking in one of the challenges Maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. It call it serotonin or whatever that sort of like thing you get when you get like that sort of ding on your iPhone. I don't know if it's like that. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's a sense of self-satisfaction. But then it's also a sense of, you know, how much time am I squandering doing this? So that's my roundabout way of, okay, the thing is dopamine. Thank you. French pronunciation, please, for helping with my English pronunciation that I'm no good with. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's my roundabout way of at- not answering uh, Adam's question.
3: Yeah, lately I, um, well, over the last few years, my obsessions kind of died down, so I just kind of watch stuff when I feel like it. But um, I was the like number one ICMer from Perth since two thousand and nine. So. I'm very keen on stopping my nemesis from beating me in the ranks at the moment. But like early this year, I went like three months without watching a film just because I I was uh, pretty stressed with uni, but I just wasn't in the mood. And then I just thought, oh, I'll I'll start just um, working on my closest awards and stuff. And then that just like sparked my interest again. I find, yeah, when I start to sort of lose interest, if I start to focus on something I'll be really into it for a while and then I'll get bored and then uh, I'll, I'll be interested in something else. I just can't stick to sort of one thing, but I do like to have a focus when I'm watching film. But even if I'm not watching films, I quite like just reading about film, I never used to, but then when I was, I mentioned this in another podcast, but when I was starting to gather lists and reviews for They Shoot Zombies, um I got really into like reading what other people were saying about films. And before that, I was kind of just like, oh, I don't care. So now like even when i'm not watching i'm always reading or listening or or something like i'm I'm always doing something film related it doesn't just have to be watching it for me so that's kind of where i'm at i guess i just kind of like if i feel like it i'll watch stuff and if not i'll read stuff
0: what about you matthew
1: well in terms of the icm rankings i don't care much about it but that's probably just because i'm not even in the same galaxy as you as you guys so it's easier not to care when you're losing probably <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's not really my goal. I guess to me, the the thing that motivates me in life for most things is to try to understand the world, to get a better understanding of it. That's why I studied history and geography. And film for me is another way to do that. Uh, it's also a way to entertain myself, of course. But you know, I guess that's the primary thing. And there's also, and so I'm always trying to get a better understanding both of the medium and of other cultures, other times, etc. One of the things that's going on currently is that, for me, is that I got into film mostly through English-based media, English-based lists and critics, etc. And so I noticed at some point that when I read or listened to French critics, they would treat some films as being these very big deal films that basically don't register for English critics or American critics. And so lately, I've been trying to kind of be more diligent about watching many French classics, uh, but in the long term, the goal is to kind of dip everywhere, kind of have a more global and, uh, yeah, more universal knowledge, which is obviously impossible, but, you know, trending towards that of, of cinema. And I'm still really into new releases. I think more than, than most people participating in this podcast or this particular one or, or the previous ones. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed being into what is being talked about now because that's a way to, to connect with people who are not that much into movies because they hear about the big films, like uh, Saul, you mentioned Nomadland, right? Seeing that, having an opinion about it is, is also a way for me to interact with people, which I I, I find very enjoyable. So yeah, that, that that would be where I'm at. And I think with that, uh, we can end this episode. So thank you for listening and join us again soon.
0: Oh, and if you thought I could go one episode without at least making a cameo appearance, you'd be quite wrong. And just remind everyone that this is indeed a follow-up to our very first episode of all time. How we got into cinema, where all of the original hosts shared our entryway into the world of cinema for anyone interested in comparing these episodes and seeing who did better was it the original or was it indeed the remake go back to our very first episode and find out for yourself and of course drop by the forum and tell us which you prefer and how you got into cinema you have been listening to talking images the official podcast of icmforum.com